1: with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello
2: and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and finally it's August that we're recording this which means we're in the month where the new season starts and this summer sort of in in between things has has nearly finished I mean I've watched a little bit of the Women's World Cup not too much um probably more than the the head of FIFA has watched it but anyway there you go you know what they're like they're too busy doing whatever it is they do which doesn't really seem to be for the good of the game I'm sure um but really the football we're bothered about of course is the Reds uh Liverpool Football Club and Jay um yeah, so far so good on the summer if you don't think too much about the, the transfers in um, and you don't pay too much attention to the early friendlies. Um, you know, the summer's ticking along. But yeah, um, we've lost more players. And the last time I looked, we hadn't really brought any in for a while.
3: Yeah, Um Oh, where are we? Uh, August second, uh, as we record this now. It's yeah. First is uh, first, still. Oh. First is it? Is it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have no, no idea where we are these days. Um, I've been on holiday, so you know I'm kind of lost as to, to what actual day I'm on because I'm off work <laughs> and I've been on holiday and stuff like that. So it's a Tuesday. So, yeah. Um, new players. A lot of talk. Not a lot of action. Um, obviously if you're on social media now known as X, is it? But it'll still be Twitter. You know, like Elon can do whatever he wants, but it'll still be Twitter to everyone else. Yeah. Um. You know, we was, we've been linked with so many players, but I think in the last week or so, mm. uh, from what I read, and even today, as we record, there's been bids for Lavia, but nowhere near enough in terms of what Southampton wants. And you know, it it kind of smacks of a bit of hypocrisy really when, when you think like, you know, we wanted like 15 million or whatever it was for Nat Phillips, didn't get it, didn't sell them, you know, yeah. kept all of them. Um, okay, we're, we're talking probably different levels of potential what players can reach in, in this point, but we didn't get the money we wanted, didn't sell them. So I found some wants 50 million. That's what they've stated from the very beginning. We've not offered 50 million. Therefore, we've not got the player. Um, it just seems like we're just banging our head against the wall. and it, With everything else that's going on and other clubs able or willing to splash the cash, it kind of gets a very weird feeling that we might miss out on this lad. But we are less than two weeks until we officially kick off the season. And as you said, we've lost numerous players, especially in the midfield departments. and well documented we did need change and you know we can get into the fact of the players who've gone but not having these lads in and knowing how Klopp likes to work and you know just in general if you were a new player coming into Liverpool you know let's say, say Lafayette does get over the line, he arrives sometime like the end of this week Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever he's got a week then before the start of the season realistically he's not Ready and up to speed for what we need to be. Where the lads who we got in nice and early McAllister and Saboslai then they're the way with the lads. They've been to Germany, they're now in Singapore. They've got all this bedding in time, all the tactical work, all the getting to know your teammates and so on. Like, that's the ideal sort of scenario. And if we think back to maybe five, six weeks or whatever when the transfer window did open, Lavia was the name doing the rounds then. So, I don't really get what's changed because we clearly wanted them then. And the midfield lads that have left maybe come as a surprise, but we still haven't got this lad over the line. It is a bit a bit odd. Um and yeah, as it gets ever so nearer to the season, it does get ever so slightly more concerning that we might be leaving ourselves ever so slightly short, which, you know, it's not not like us to leave ourselves short in the transit market no
2: i mean it's like i mean according to reports we we originally bid 34 plus 4 million pound in add-ons for a player that was you know price tag was 50 million and all right you know you know there's always a bit of a a bit of bartering room there always is but if you walked into Curry's tomorrow saw a 500 quid telly and said i'll give you 30 uh, 340 for it and then i'll give you another 40 quid uh if i watch it enough in the next 12 months like you'd be laughed out of the place you know and even like in places like you know even in TV shots where you can sometimes get them to do a little bit of a deal for you um you're not going to be going in seriously with 3340 quid for a 500 quid telly and expecting to actually get any kind of serious response you're just going to be out the door um and if that's your opening offer it makes you wonder what what what's Liverpool's final offer going to be but at the same time I kind of get where they're coming from to some extent, because obviously Southampton, they, they probably do think to themselves that we could do with that money. They're not, they're not going to necessarily be making that, the kind of money they were making when they bought him. Um, I don't even know whether they own, uh, own money for him and stuff like that. I mean, I, I just don't know the situation with him, what the situation is with these with these contracts and all the rest of it, but you've got to, um, <laughs> And I think it's something we said right at the beginning of this window, probably before we even knew what was going to happen with a couple of the players that left more recently, was that you want these players in the squad nice and early. You want them on the pre-season trips. You want them, you know, bedding in with the mates, getting to understand how the teammates work, what the system's like, getting the fitness up to the levels we expect. Because, you know, we always use Andy Robertson as the, as the example of a player we had to wait to see. And the reason we had to wait to see him more than anything was because he wasn't used to the intensity he would need to play for us. So if that same thing is going to apply, I mean, maybe full bats are different to midfielders, but how long are we going to be waiting until we've got a player that's ready and up to speed as well? And that, that just adds, adds more weight. As you say, it's a couple of weeks till the season starts and we're just not putting that, that effort in where I think you know i get it where we're thinking we don't want to be ripped off we don't want these clubs to think "Ah, oh, they've just got a load of cash off saudi let's let's get as much of that cash off them as we can you know we don't want to be ripped off but at the same time you know what matters most is that we win things as soon as possible and you do that by getting these players in as soon as possible and that's just the frustration and then another thing that kind of almost got forgotten is um when when we knew we'd lost three players from midfield plus all the others and we knew that we'd brought two in. I don't think anyone said, "Right, that's us done now with our midfield signings." And instead, what we've done is we've lost two. So, you know, even bringing two two in to replace the most two recent departures from what we were thinking at the start of the season, that's not enough. And it feels like, well, some of these young lads that are so promising look amazing. You know, I mean, Batchašek is the one that's sticking in my mind, but there's other players coming through as well. It, it's going to end up if we're not careful where we're going to be putting all the pressure on them and that just causes problems I mean you know th- maybe there's a reason why that, that why, why Stefan didn't make the rest of the season um, he got an injury you know would he have got that if we'd have had more midfielders ready to um, to give him more of a rest
3: I mean on the Bastich one I think I think it was very evident that the lad's got talents mm-hmm. like what's going on in his feet and his head is completely different to what's going on in between he's a uh, He's a man in terms of his technical ability and what he wants to do in his football brain. But physically, his body was still a boy last season, and that's to be expected. I think he's what eighteen, nineteen years of age. So you know, people yeah. develop at different times. Like you know, you've only got to look at like you know Wayne Rooney come through at sixteen and looked like a you know an old man. <laughs> he looked like a twenty-five, <laughs> twenty-six year old. And you know when he reached the age of thirty-five, he looked like a fifty-year-old. But you know. It it's just something that you just gotta you gotta temper with him and it's it's so easy to assume what well, we we probably did break young bastard down by playing a, a boy physically in a man's league and playing so much responsibility on the young lad's shoulders. Um and, and you know, he, he looks like he probably has developed ever so slightly more as as the time has gone on over the last what six, seven months or since we've last seen him in the Liverpool shirt. Um, you know the, the the preseason training pitches. You know he, he he maybe has filled out ever so slightly more, but that will only then come naturally over the probably the next two to three years, will he fully develop into what he probably is going to be as a final physique of a footballer. Yeah. Um, and you know there's the, the young kids out there now in Singapore. They, there's a, there was a couple more that went to Germany and and would hold you respect to them. They're still boys. Like you you look at the. The way they're playing, like that, there's naivety within the game, but there also is, you know, physical signs of of them being underdeveloped, and it's it's just matter of fact. It's just the way people are. Like some people develop faster than others, but the the pressure of of playing an army field, regardless of your age, is physically demanding. And okay, we may we may adopt a different approach going forward in terms of tactical setup and you know how how we line up across the pitch but it, you know we've been so used to the the midfield three and you know it was labelled as the functional three you know like they they done their job and you know in reference to to those that have gone like Fabinho and Henderson recently and Ginny Wijnaldum a couple of years ago they've done the job of allowing the team to play all around them and i seen a great tweet I think it was last night the Premier League panel I think it was and it was you know in re- a WWE reference: The Brothers of Destruction, with you know Undertaker and Kane. For those who are out of WWE, um, you know, thought that when Ginny and Rinaldo left, the pieces started to fall apart. Yeah. And then when Fabiano, his legs went, the house fell down because they literally they done all the dirty work, and that's not not to mock Jordan Henderson and what he did. He had a slightly more different role, but those two lads allowed the fullbacks to play. Those two lads allowed them fullbacks to progress up the pitch and create so much more attacking emphasis for us. And um, we just never ever
2: got back to that.
1: Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfieldindex. Index.
3: So maybe we are going to change as we've seen towards the back end of last season, Trent playing in a different position. Um, you know, Trebinio at times looked slightly better than what he had done through the season, but still, if his legs have gone, his legs have gone, and there's nothing you can do, and it's evident that we need someone with legs in there, and whether that's to play next to Trent or whether we go back to a 4-3-3, a three, three, as we've seen over several years, you still need legs in that midfield to allow all the people around the team to excel and do their other roles. So bringing the two lads that we brought in, yes, younger, yes, physically, all the statistics point to the fact that they've got legs and mobility and can do things. However, the key factor is those two lads tend to do a lot more going forward. We need someone to now sit there and Fabinho was labelled as the lighthouse by Klopp and for the reason that he just was there to sense everything that was going on around him and we're missing that. We really, really need to replace it and whether Lavi is the one that does that or whether there's somebody else, whether we bring two lads in, we just don't know, but... As it stands right now, there's a massive red flag that's being waved and saying that we don't have that player there in 12 days out from the first game of the season. It is a big warning sign that we need to really sort ourselves out in, in that department alone, because how long can we allow it to wait? We can't just really throw someone in and expect them to just pick up the pieces straight away, because that's unfair on the player. Um, um, it eventually would leave us open. So you know a potential fall down when there's so many signs of optimism there.
2: Yeah, and I think like for us, like if you were like playing for I don't know, you you were playing for like Sunderland or something, and Liverpool came knocking, like there'd be no question. You'd ignore all other offers and you'd be at you'd be at your club to sort in, you know to accept that offer, and you'd be coming up with every tactic you could think of because you're a Liverpool fan. But you know when we contact to sign players, generally speaking, they're not. Actual football fans of, of, they're not Liverpool fans necessarily. And even if they are, you know, they're not, they're not fans of professional footballers and they feel differently about a club. They can come to love the club. They don't doubt that for one minute, but he's sitting down there in Southampton thinking, I don't want to play a division lower next season. You know, I was playing for Man City not long ago and I left them probably. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, the main reason he wouldn't, didn't want to stick around there was because he didn't, he wanted to play more football. But he didn't want to play more football, or division lower. So he wants someone to come in for him. And there's talk that Chelsea are interested, which might just be... I've no idea how realistic that is. And a lot of stuff that comes out when another club's interested in a player that, that one club are going big on, or, or supposedly going big on, a lot of the time that's just agents speaking and people trying to rush people along and the other club trying to put fear into people. But if there's any truth in that and you're that player, you're thinking... You know, I want my own future settled. I'm sick of like waiting around and finding out. And if another club comes in for me now, uh, forget the one that was supposedly into, into me all summer because they've not put the effort in. They've not made that, that last little push to come and get me. And you know, that's what we stand to do as well. We stand to miss out on targets because we're just faffing around. And I, I also just wish we'd just be genuine as well at some point and say, look, is that what you want? Right. List now, honestly, no messing. This is our final offer. I'm going to give you a couple of days to think on it. If you're not going to take that, then we're done we're leaving this we're just going to forget and then you can go and look at your other targets instead of this just dithering and dithering and and waiting all summer for it to happen and to me the longer it goes on the more you feel it's not going to happen the only the only defense i'll say in the dithering is that if we haven't got the cash if um if john henry can't sort of liquidate some of his assets enough for the club to go and actually put cash down for a player maybe we've just been waiting for the money to come through from from saudi um which kind of goes against what I was saying earlier on about how we should have been looking for more players even before the, these two left. But, you know, what we should have done and what we are doing is never, never always the same. And maybe that's the problem that, you know, we didn't expect to buy any more players. Maybe we were just going to get those two coming in. And the truth is that we have now lost two players in return. So we just need to get moving it? We're on it. we sub- on this.
3: Yeah. On. Sorry. So oh. I was just going to cross cross you. Sorry. Um it it just it seems very odd that we were after this lad at the beginning of the window. His name was just put out yeah. there and you know the the price was the price. And you know, if the price was too high at the beginning of the window before this Saudi influence come in, then surely we would have went, Okay, thanks for answering the call. Uh, you know, that's out of our price range and we move on and we find someone for Mm. 25, 30 million. If that's what our budget was catering for. Now that we've had, you know, the, the Saudis come in and take two more of our players, which we probably didn't account for at the beginning of this transfer window to go, you know, we've now got any club in the world knows we've now got 50 million quid one way or the other Whether it's 50 million quid slapped straight into our bank accounts and, it's sat there, you know, just burning a hole or whether it's 50 million quid over, you know, a year or two, you know, because everyone knows how transfers work. Some transfers are paid all up top or most yeah. transfers are paid over the, you know, the amortization of two or three years. You know what I mean? But it's well known. We've, we've had 50 million pounds put into our accounts one way or another for two lads. So Southampton and well within their means to say, well, 50 million was the price six weeks ago. 50 million is still the price. You've now had 52 million pounds come in. So, what's the issue? Do you know what I mean? And they've well been well within their rights to just say, you know what? Don't even bother us anymore because if you're not going to stump the cash up, then we're, we're not answering the phone, sort of thing. And off you just go because we know you've got the money. So, you, you can't plead poverty anymore. Um, and it's just very odd because. The price has not changed where you know some players will will see an increase over the summer. Some players, obviously, with the general value of football markets like you think of the the years when like Neymar moved and Mbappe moved, and that sort of instantly put prices up a few percent across the market. Where this lad has always been that price, it, 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 it's just very odd what's going on with us. And you know, we, we are known for penny pinching of a sort, but when you've got money. Coming in or in the council already, you can't really be claiming to be skinned as much when you know you know what the price is.
2: And I, mean, I just don't. Also, I mean, three months ago, if we were having a conversation about midfielders, or four months ago, not that long ago, basically, we'd be saying Jude Bellingham. Bellingham was coming to us because that was where all the talk was and it felt like you know okay a bit of wishful thinking let's be honest but it felt like it was a realistic possibility because of the way things were being said that there must be some money then we must have you know, have to go in easy on certain uncertain transfers that the money must be there then for us to put a, a bid in for him you know not as much as he finally went for but something that would at least get some kind of um, attention so you know where did that money go you know there's all all of these questions that that are unanswered and it just feels like we're constantly letting this happen and i don't know i mean i don't know how much of it is speculation as well there's always that but there's no way that that this information about this player from southampton has just been made up because southampton will be letting it be known what kind of offers are coming in for him they want their fans to know and the idea that they're skint as well which some people might think um I think our neighbours would have been skint if they'd gone down this summer, but they probably are already skint. They're probably already struggling from all all the outward signs are that they have been struggling for cash. I wouldn't say that was the case with Southampton. They'll get parachute payments. And they've probably even had the contracts written in a way so that the players don't get the same kind of wages in the, in the championship that they got in the Premier League, which if that's the case, then they're in even less of a rush. This player might want to leave, but you know, he might be told, look, you're sticking around until at least Christmas. We'll, we'll see what the store, what the state is in, uh, in the January window by which time our season could be over unless we find people to come in and, and fill these gaps. Um, and those gaps, of course, are the lads who went on freeze right at the end of the season and then the two lads that went to Saudi we did talk about it a little bit but it just dragged on and dragged on and dragged on but finally they went um and since we've done a house of Tommies, there's been loads of talk about it but there's been a Jordan Henderson leaving video and then eventually a Jordan Henderson leaving announcement and also a Fabinho one which I was just saying to you there was so much going on this weekend I thought I'd um Thought I'd missed it from like two days before because it, 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 I just saw it last night. But, um, weird how the reaction has been to Henderson is what I was going to say. Cause I think it goes without saying that the movie's controversial. I mean, we're all sort of dubious about the money Newcastle are getting from Saudi yet. And I'm sure some of the people who have been slagging Newcastle off for having Saudi money and, you know, trying to buy the way up the league and, really really slugging newcastle off for that are the same people who were sort of defending jordan henderson to the hilt because maybe it's just on twitter i don't know i don't know anyone in real life if you like who's this bad but henderson on twitter is and i went on about this on twitter or x which i think is part of the word toxic these days with twitter but he was saying that you know sorry people were sort of almost saying he's a 10 you cannot He's an, he's an icon he's up there with every single legend liverpool have ever had do not criticize him he's untouchable but of course then there's the people at the opposite end of the scale who have him down as a one he's never done anything good for us there's never been any use for him why did we ever buy him should have shouldn't have bought him if we did we should have sold him um and in reality i mean he's definitely not a one and he's definitely not a 10 he's definitely not the I mean, I don't even know where I'd put him in the league table of midfielders I've seen play for Liverpool. He wouldn't be right at the top. But he's definitely not down at the bottom because, you know, tried to forget about some of those. Yet, once he left, it just seemed to be this battle that... And I don't know if it was just on social media. No one I've spoken to sort of, you know, face-to-face in real life, on the phone, wherever, has been so strong about it. I think a lot of people are disappointed he went over there given. You know, the wearing the, of the armband that he's worn, the, the pride one, um, it sort of coincided with pride weekend in Liverpool. It's, um, the rainbow laces. He said so much about that and he's not said a word about where he's going. And then there was that video that they did when they, when they announced him with the armbands all in black and white. So they could just hide the multicolored ones. It was. You know, it, there's no doubt about it that this is, this is something he's going to get asked about. And it's going to be something that a lot of people have, have missed, you know, judge him less well for over the years. But, um, you know, I still get where people, why people do want to defend him up to a point. But have we got sort of stuck over the years basically in overthinking Jordan Henderson?
3: Uh, I think it... There's not been, I think we said on the last part, didn't we? There's not been a player split a fan base so much, and obviously a captain, and it was because I think we said it was he was the first captain during the social media era, as such, Um, and obviously you know these conversations that are had on on, online are the same conversations that have been had for years and years. However, they will have been taking place in a pub, and you know, (laughs) alongside people who you know inside out were. Let's be honest. Uh, you might have six hundred followers, or you might follow four, four, five, 600 people on on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. But you might actually only know a small handful of them in person, and maybe a further bunch of them, you know, to speak to, you know, as a as a regular basis, like like myself yeah. and yourself. Really, like we've never physically met in person, but we speak on it, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever, and yeah. you know, consider yourself to have a, a conversation with this person. Um so with Henderson I think, you know, it's it was always gonna be a statement for for, for both sides really. So so for Saudi to to take someone like Jordan Henderson and you know a big English name regardless of what anyone thinks of him you know he, he still plays for England on a regular basis he's won a lot with us um, and I can't really think of many other English players if any have gone over there in in, in the market um, I could be wrong there might be one or two but he is he's a glamour name he's up there with, with the likes of you know the Benzemas and the Ronaldo's and whatever that have gone over there because of his status within the game in our country Um, so it's a big gift for Saudi. and I think what people are really waiting for is the, if if it ever comes that the interview or the conversation with Jordan Henderson as to why he's taking this move and we may never find this out until you know a a potential autobiography in years to come as to why he's made the move you know people are assuming that, you know, lucrative offer, um, as place was under threat and the Liverpool team, you know, at the age of 33, this offer's never going to come from anywhere else. Um, any other club in the world, really, is going to offer you the ludicrous amounts of money that's being banded about to go and play at a lesser standard of football. So, you know, most people would have level i be like, well, if you're getting offered four or five times the money that you're earning, to do a job half as easy, why wouldn't you go? So yeah, you know, there's all that tied up. But yeah, it's the it's the status of who he is as a footballer, all he's done within the game, off the field, and you know, there's a there's a credit to his name as to so what he's done as a professional for all the campaigns he's done. Not only for you know the Rainbow Laces, or you think of all the the stuff during the pandemic and everything else like that, and everything he stands for. It it does. It does leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth, but I think at the same time, you, you said it like there'd be people who were slamming Saudi money in the game, but also defending Jordan Henderson. There'll be people slagging Jordan Henderson off for for doing what he's doing or whatever. But then, at the same time, you know we'll be happy for us to have investment from a Middle Eastern country with questionable human rights if it allowed us to buy x y and z player so you know it's just the social media fandom it's it's crazy out there and i think you say it we've said it many a time that there's there's people who probably are more level-headed reasonable thinking fan that probably don't really express so much as what is said online or if you sit them down like we've said again with you know people who support Everton who, who've got very partisan bitter views <laughs> but then when you sit them down one to one and have an actual football conversation with them it's a completely different conversation that you have so it's, it's it's a controversial one but I think in the football in terms of as a Liverpool player it was probably right that he went um, at this time because on the pitch he was not offering Enough. And if somebody's coming and offering you money to take away a player who can't offer you so much as what you require, and the same applies for Fabinho, like, hand on heart, if someone would come and give you 20-odd million for Fabinho this summer, you would have ripped the hand off and said, yeah, because it looks like his legs have gone. Like, yeah. get him out of here, take the money. Someone's coming in and offering you 40 million, you don't even wait like for the ink to dry on the paper, and you get him out the door because... It's just the right thing to do in terms of football. So, yeah, it, it, it's one of them, and the, the the straw has broke the camel's back now in terms of players to go there. And I think from the Saudi's point of view, that's what they were looking for. again. Henderson, that such a big name, such a figure who stood for so much, may not actually speak about anything in his time. Jordan Saudi, you know, probably has maybe sounded a disclaimer where they said, right, well. We know what you've stood for in the past. However, this is the way we operate over the year. If we can just agree to disagree or agree not to speak about things and just focus on football. And then maybe in time we'll get a, an answer true to what actually happened.
2: But for now, we've just got to say thanks to the lad and, and move on, really. Yeah, we have. not um, it, It's... Another thing that that hit me on Twitter as well is that um there's so many people who think that you have to have the the opinion that they have. So I I I give my opinions on here, you give yours. I mean this is this is all we do we're just giving our opinions. I mean, for not not for one minute. And either of us so arrogant to think that what we're saying is spot on or right or anything. It's just just what we think. And and you and I as we're talking on here, we'll we'll kind of change each other's mind a little bit as we sort of put other viewpoints forward and stuff and uh, and that's what it is but um the amount of people i mean just just to sort of i tweeted a picture of a still of, of hendo's leaving video that he'd had done himself and a, and a and a screenshot of the liverpool twitter account which had the pride um badge as a kind of backdrop to the to the twitter avatar the, the pride flag sorry and i tweeted them side by side and basically my point was that you know he's he's put this leaving video out meanwhile the club's got this this on on the badging um it was more it's not so much a comment as look here's here's a snapshot of a moment in time that as henderson personally announces he's off basically the club's just still able to to show this badge and you know and that's what hendo's left behind and i wasn't really sort of sort of slagging him off in any way because it at the end of the day, it's, it's his life. It's his decision. It's his family. If this is what he feels is right for him and, and this outweighs everything else, then who am I to stop him? As we've said before on here, none of us know how we'd react if we were offered something similar. Um, but, and anyone who says that they'd instantly say no and that'd be the end of it, I think is probably not being totally honest with themselves, unless they've got, you know, a, a more of a reason than certainly I would have. Um, the other thing I that jumps out at me as well is I think to sort of get some context as well is is why some people are angry at him going, is if um I reckon there'd be a lot more anger from people if he'd gone um, stayed at the club another two years and then finished it by saying, Right, I'm becoming the main football correspondent for the sun, that would be that would be the end of it and and I think that would be one occasion where, as a Liverpool fan, I would be sort of saying to other Liverpool fans, you shouldn't be condoning this. Um, You know, and I might be angry, but on the whole, you know, who are we to say what people's opinion should be? The other interesting thing on it is that and I've only found out recently I've been busy and everything else, but, um, Fabinho's left and I've not exactly seen loads of outpouring of, of anger about that. So there's, there's a difference there. And maybe, um, you know, maybe that's something to do with just Hendo being so vocal in the past and Fabinho just getting on and doing his stuff. But yeah, what you just said then, we'd have snatched the hands off anyone offering us anything like that kind of money for those players. Cause even Hendo, I mean, two year deal left for a player who'd be 35 by the end of it. That according to various stories, it's a hell of a lot of money he was earning in wages. Um, it saved us two years of that wage bill for a player who, you know, with all, all the best intentions are using them as much as you could, even if he was your favorite player in the world, I don't think anyone would expect him to play, you know, maybe even 60% of the games in a season this next two years. So there's a saving on there, but we've got a we've, we've got to, got to, got to get players in. But in terms of the players we have got, I don't think it was any surprise that when the club announced who the new captain was going to be, who was named. Although we've got a few players in the squad who could be captain, but I think it's obvious that every time Milner or Henderson, you know, left the pitch and and neither of them were any longer on the pitch, that the the guy who always came forward and got the armband, the guy they always ran to, was our you know, the sort of unofficial vice vice captain. He's now the captain, and that's Van Dijk. Um, There was some talk about maybe it should go to another player, but. That player, of course, is, is, is Trent. And I think people are maybe thinking back to how much of a captain Stephen Gerrard was, local lad, all the rest of it. I think Klopp's done the right thing, personally. Um, Virgil got to be the, the, the nailed on captain for the club. And Trent, I honestly don't think there'll be many times he's going to be wearing the armband because I don't think Van Dyke and him will be, um, missing different games. You know, I think if, if one of them's rested, they'll probably both be rested. Yeah. It's, it's, He's he's come of age to me, Trent, in the last couple... He's not this young kid anymore. He's still young. We forget that. But he's matured and become so, so much of a different person this last couple of years. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I would have picked any different.
0: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index... He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I
3: think you'll be yet to know on the ad in terms of Probably won't be too many times that Trent leads us out, um, because Van Dyke is such a key figure for us. Yeah. Um, you know, you you might be able to count on one or two hands at most what's going to come up in the next season where Trent will lead the lads out. And you know, it might be an occasional cup game. Um, you know, where where Van Dyke is, is rested, or the, the you know a potentially a Europa League game um, where Van Dyke's on the bench and. And Trent leads us out and whatever, but for the whole part of the majority of the season, you would imagine it's Virgil, and he was the natural, you know, candidate to take that armband, and and that that's absolutely fine by me. Um, you know, did the other lads who have, you know, in quotation marks, been promoted to the leadership group of of what we had? Um, you know, Salah, Allison, and Robertson. I think that they were the only people really in contention to sort of mentioned with Trent as to who could be the vice captain. I think it was it was obvious it was going to be Verge anyway he was taking it. But you know it, it's a question mark over whether a goalkeeper is a an effective captain, you know, when Allison is a natural leader of the team in terms of his area of the pitch. But you know, you think of instance when like you know you want the captain and in this current age where referees seem to be getting more and more protected. Like nobody can sort of even question a referee's decision these days. And I think there's there's rule changes coming up. I'm not exactly fully aware of what they are, but I heard something the other day. So referees are getting even more protection. I think if you if you crowd referees or whatever, then you're going to be yellow card and we'll see how long that lasts. But you know, if you think of a a potential challenge in the box on a on a forward, Allison can't realistically spend seventy yards down the pitch and say, excuse me, ref, fancy explaining what you've just done there for yeah. us. Um so you know that that would sort of rule that one out. Um Salah, you know, I think he he's a leader by example. So you think of obviously people's questions of was Jordan Henson a good leader, people would say, well maybe he didn't drag the team over the line enough naturally thinking of what Stephen Gerrard done for us as a captain previous to him. Um you know, Salah is one of these leader by doer sort of roles, so he was in the contention for that. And Randy Robertson, again, is the you know the the mouthpiece as to what I've just mentioned earlier on. to, to get in in the in the, the era directly where Trent, you'd imagine this role as a vice captaincy maybe allows him to be ever so slightly more vocal. You know, we've seen his development over time, and ever so much in the last six months as as a player, his evolution to take control of games more and, and lead from the front as, as i mentioned with Salah. So it, it's it's maybe a good blend of, you know, being able to lead by example, being able to communicate and obviously we've all seen referees will tend to give that ever bit more lenience to English players. You reference Milner and Henderson. How many times did James Milner come on the pitch? 15, 20 minutes to go, <laughs> throw, throw two or three crunching tackles in and it was like, sorry ref, you know, just come on, it's a bit rusty, you know, not, not exactly warm, ref go, okay Jimbo, off you go, no more of them, okay ref, thanks very much for that, another one flies in, ah, sorry ref, you know, you know what it is, I'm 37 yeah. years of age now, I'm struggling here ref, and he goes, okay well James, no more now, and after the fourth or fifth one, then maybe he goes in the book, but at that point, you know, it's takes you six, 67 minutes, God, and he gets away with it, Harry Kane gets away with absolute murder, Wayne so Rooney man. got away with it for years, Yeah, you know, it, it helps if you're English and you sort of put your arm around the referee and just say come on ref you know because there's a little bit of slack here it's inevitable you will get away with a little bit more so
2: my only know, there's worry, worry, to take in. my only worry on that though is Trent Scousner English you know there could be <laughs>
3: that is <laughs> very true <laughs> one <laughs> but you know Stevie G got away with it for years as well like how many times did Gerrard absolutely get away with things and just like you know say to ref you know let us off there you get away with it so I think it's a good natural progression and if if we say we've probably got, you know, three to four more years maybe with Van Dyke in the team and say say we've got three more years of Van Dyke as a as a regular start in the team, maybe four more years of him around the squad. Um I think he's 30, 31 now. Um, you know, at that time Trent were then shown hopefully enough to then, you know, take naturally the armband and, and become the club captain, it may happen before then. You know, like we've seen in years gone by, Sammy Hippia was starting to starting to feel the pressure and the decision was taken to, you know, take that pressure of the leadership of the team off him and give it to Stevie. Yeah. To allow a younger, fresher mind, fresher legs to come in and just allow that player at the back just to focus on their own game. So yeah, I, I'm I'm more than happy with it. Um I felt like the the right thing to do and you know, it will be a special occasion whenever that first game is that Trent leads the team out. Hopefully, you know, it's not, not too far away because, you know, we'd we'd like to see Virgil in the team, but maybe, you know, a Europa League night when when Verge is being given a night off that that Trent leads the lads out and hopefully all being well, you know, it's a it's at a full on field, which would be even better for them.
2: Yeah. I mean he's I think, you know, when you look at at Henderson and Milner as the captain, vice captain, you know, it really was a case of, um, you expect Henderson when, when these decisions are made kind of thing, you'd expect Henderson to play most games and Milner to play a lot of others. Um, and that basically there was no sort of, it was just like Milner was kind of the standing for Hendo. Whereas this does feel more like almost like he's like Trent's kind of like the apprentice captain. You know, he's going to learn a lot from, from Van Dyke as as the captain um you know he's going to join in various duties that they do off the field that we don't see um i still also have a strong belief that the arms the armband can be overrated you know um certainly like i mean i always start that with with england of all people because when david beckham became captain and he was made out so they made him such a a, a more important person and at times, you know, even to the point where he was getting games for England when he wasn't playing at his best and things like that. Um, not that I was bothered, but you know, he's still just kind of watching on thinking, do you realize what you're doing here? You've made him almost un- undroppable because you've given him the armband and made a big deal of it. Um, I would say that at Anfield, if, if Urgil, if Urgil starts to, to lose his form, I hope that, well, first of all, I hope it doesn't happen. Second of all, I hope we do something to fix it. But third of all, the time will come that I hope we we would move him on. We'd accept that the that, that his his best days have gone and we can't rely on him anymore. Hope that never happens. But um with yeah is what I'm getting at is, you know, football moves on and I just feel like with Trent we've got this play for the future in so many different ways. I mean there's this possibility he's going to become a midfielder because we can see he can do it. He's now going to become, at some point, the captain because I think that's what's going to happen eventually. Personally, he'll get the promotion up to captain when Van Dijk's time is up and no argument with that. And I also, I, I just don't think that they just get picked because the captains, even though, without going back too much to him, a lot of people might think Henderson only got picked because he was the captain. And again, also agree with what you're saying as well. Having that armband on gives you the right to have a go at the referee, gives you a right to just question referee decisions. You can get away with dissent that um another player would get a card for. Maybe you can get away with dissent. And that's when you know, actually, I think that sometimes when you watch a game, that's when you know the ref is a dodgy, um, you know, sort of oversensitive, useless referee is when uh, when a skipper... Of any club gets booked really early on, um, just for something they've said. You can sort of tell the referee sort of lost his way a little bit there because, you know, the captain's representing the whole team, he's representing the managers, representing the whole club and saying, are you blind ref? You know, we have just got to take a bit of that. Um, in terms of how we've played recently, mentioning Trent, I didn't get to see the whole game, the Leicester game. So I've only seen the sort of the clips of the goals, but that's maybe, um, the best bits anyway. There were four of them. Um, what bits I saw, Trent seemed to be playing advanced, even though the lineup at the beginning seemed to have him playing at right-back. So maybe it was that hybrid role. I didn't see it. But the four goals I'm thinking of, at least that I saw, was, um OK, we might be short on numbers in midfield. We don't know. We definitely don't seem to have bought anyone to help us out at the back if anyone, you know, if Virgil does start showing signs of, of form slipping or needing a bit of a rest. But up front... It looks like all the lads are back and firing and just really enjoying the football again.
4: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. Ha! <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere.
3: the second half because um, <laughs> I was on holiday and I had to check out the hotel at 11 o'clock in the morning so you know it was 10 o'clock kickoff. off I managed to check out just before 11 and make it to a local bar and, and see the second half and by all accounts the second half was more of a, a procession in terms of you know we, we passed about we creased a few chances um, we got one goal in Ben Doak in the second half uh, from a corner flick on from matter. Um, and I did manage to to catch the first the first half goals um, on the highlight reel at the end, but yeah, yeah I think there's been evident signs of we've got the attackers sort of clicking, um, and you know that there's been whether whether some people perceive it as a sly dig, um, you know, like the, the comments from the likes of Jota, where you know I think it was a line or something long um, if I make the run. McAllister will fire me sort of thing I don't need to think or you know, demand it <laughs> yeah. it's sort of it's natural that this lad has got the, the ability to to get his head up and look for the the ball forward not sort of you know basically have to wave my arms in the air and say look I'm going there right now any chance you can play it for me um,
2: and
3: <laughs> yeah like you know We've probably never not seen anything close to what is our strongest eleven because you know you, you're playing youngsters. It would be foolish to you know put our best eleven out in the first half and then the second half sort of you know throw out a load of you know, youngsters or whatever. And you know you've seen that in the lineup where it's been a bit of a mix and match. So we had like you know Connor Bradley playing right back with Van Dyke and uh, Kanate, and then you know the second half might have Kwanzaa in there with Matip and. Gomez so you're sort of mixing and matching um, a couple of young lads I think the lad McConnell um, stood out for me of, of one I've never even heard of um, playing in midfield he looks like a young young prospect very composed on the ball um, and you'd only hope that we develop him in the right way that he makes a, a good career for himself because he looks like he's got a little bit of something about him um, a player who we've not heard of obviously everyone's sort of aware of Ben Doak and the fact that he's a little lively, tricky winger, fearless in terms of going at players. So it's been good to see. um, As we record this today, um, there's a friendly tomorrow against Bayern Munich. So the level again is sort of stepped up. You'd imagine, you know, are we going to go with the 245s or are we maybe going to progress it to, you know, a 60 minute um, with a maybe stronger 11 from the off? And then, you know, Ring a few changes at the sixty sixty five 65 minute mark and allow you know the natural progression of match fitness. Um, and then we've got one more on Monday, night against Darmstadt, um, up at Preston North End's ground because obviously, if you must well, have been living on the rock, we're getting a new stand built and it's not ready. Um, we so said this, did
2: last, last podcast, I think <laughs> you said, is it gonna yeah. be done in time?
3: Yeah, so you know, we've got we've got two friendlies left, um, obviously, not not one at Anfield, no curtain raiser. Um So, you know, there's the time to see maybe a couple more of these lads who we, we may not see again for, for the rest of the year. We might see some of them in the Europa League, who knows. But, yeah, the the, the stand not being ready is a little bit of a, a dampener. Um, but, it's to be expected. I would imagine, you know, the, the general construction is pretty much done of the stadium, of the stand. Um, it's probably more to do with you know, the infrastructure of like whatever corporates going in there, whatever like, you know, facilities for bars and, you know, food outlets and electrics and stuff like that. I'd imagine that is the bit that isn't done. Um because obviously the club are gonna to look to maximise whatever revenue they can from tickets and corporate sales and facilities of, you know, match day revenue. And if that's not ready to maximise then why would the, you know, sort of half arse go for it because it's not gonna not gonna get a good reputation. They're probably holding it back, thinking, right, well, a couple of games of it not being open, but let's make sure it is a hundred percent ready when it does open. But um from what I've from what I gathered, the lower tier, so the old Anfield road as it is, is going to be open and available for the first game of the season against Bournemouth. So luckily, you know, Bournemouth can can bring a contingency, they probably won't bring many because of the size of the club. But they will have fans in all four corners of the ground, which is a good thing.
2: Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I was, I was glad to hear that at least the the top sort of old, the old, uh, stand is still going to be open and still going to be available because I know when the main stand was was redone, um, I was there the night it sort of finished its last night of the old main stand, and people were kind of taking seats and getting in trouble for it because, it turned out the club wanted to sell them for quite a lot of money, um. Some of them may be for a bit of charity or I can't remember, but I know people were getting told off for walking out with um the back of a wooden seat under the coat or whatever. Or not even under the coat, because it was like end of the season, so it wasn't even that cold. Not everyone had come with a coat. Um but, you know, basically within a couple of days there were photos coming out of um, you know, the whole sort of thing being sort of skimmed of seats if you like, and it was all um th- I don't even know if it I don't know if it was actually demolished or just reskin, but it was all like, it's all fresh concrete and there's definitely more room. So it was all sort of completely redone, even at that level, but it was the same kind of construction otherwise that they were kind of building it over the new over the top of the old. So I was, I was glad to hear that was staying. And um, there's going to be more standing as well, isn't it, at the ground when everything's finished, which is a welcome sign for people who, who want to stand because um, as someone who used to stand on the old cop, it made a hell of a difference to what you were, uh, to the noise you kind of made. Um, you were well more, you know, the adrenaline was going even more. Um, I'm just, so I'm looking forward to more standing areas because it was never the reason for Hillsborough. Standing wasn't why Hillsborough happened. Standing, um, was just what people at the time wanted to use as some way scapegoating football fans and, you know, part of the old the whole cover up. But atmosphere, Anfield, um, something Fabinho was even talking about this week on his leaving leaving comments that you know we'll never forget the night against Barcelona and stuff and this this season we're not going to have Champions League but Europa League we said it last time it's it's the cup that brings memories anyway when it was a UEFA cup didn't always have an involvement in it but when we did we did well and again that just sort of makes me think with all this with new stadiums I've not really heard much about Everton in the last couple of weeks um I've seen sort of rumblings on social media about them not really buying anyone and things, but then I could be listening to people talking about us. So, you know, we can't kind of criticise too much, although we have bought players. Um, but it has gone sort of quiet. And one of the things I've not heard is, Bill Kenwright still there. Yeah, obviously, we had to
3: he's a cockroach. Um, <laughs> he, he won't go, Willie, really. um, but... Yeah, I think they brought in Ashley Old, and oh no, i sorry, Ashley Young. Um, <laughs> they brought him in. Even they're uh, calling him
2: back.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, it was a running joke, obviously. But, you know, it's not like Everton to buy a player who has got previous Manchester United connections. You know, there's a weird sort of yeah. synergy there where, the you know, where we, as a city, Liverpool and Manchester don't get on. And clubs, when Everton played Manchester United, it is quite a heated game. But when a player sort of crosses that divide, as such, you know, it it's, it seems to be fine. It seems to be accepted. Um,
2: there's there's a lot I, of them. There, I, I'm sure there's a lot of them who you know the sort who like almost hate Liverpool more than they love Everton. I think there's you know there's a few like that, and I think well, but certainly when they're in a crowd, you get like that. When you get a few of them together, and I think they're the ones who like they probably almost love Man United more than Everton just for the fact that Man United wind us up so much. And I don't know, I reckon there's a little bit of love there between some some Blues and the Manx. Which
3: yeah, is they've weird, got a, w- you know? a, weird, a weird sort of, you know, liking. And, and you could understand maybe why in recent times they'd have an affiliation to, to Man City because they've been our closest rivals. But maybe that's what it is. You know, United have always been... Historically, rivals with Liverpool, so it's just an easy affiliation to make where you know they can be our second club, but we won't tell anyone about it, sort yeah. of thing. Um, but back to what they're doing, I don't actually think they've signed anyone else off the top of my head. I'd have to have a look on, on like the Fantasy Premier League app, which I'm probably after doing the next week because you know, if you're in part of that world, then you've got a sort of club together a team to, yeah, I, to think that you're gonna win every every league and then after five, six weeks you're you're well out of it. But I don't think they brought many in. I did see I think it was Sunday or Monday. They were Paul Joyce, obviously the the oracle of Liverpool News on Twitter, um had mentioned that they were in talks for a nineteen year old striker from Sport in Lisbon. Couldn't tell you his name, couldn't tell you anything about him, couldn't tell you you know, where what his sort of prospects are, but they're, they're obviously they're getting the market for goals, but then at the same time, I think today it was DeMardi Gray, a lad who they signed um eighteen two years ago, maybe they signed the Gray, I think about two years now, for one and a half million um is in talks to go to Fulham and they'll they'll make a profit. I think there was roughly a figure around about seven or eight million put around that. Um so in terms of what they've done there, you know, it's clever business, but they're well short, I'd imagine, in terms of where they want to be. They've lost a few players on on free transfers. I think, you know, speaking to a couple of lads around where before we we finished a couple of weeks ago, they they said like, you know, they they pretty much need players across the park because the are light in numbers, and it would be a concern for them going into the season that. You know that they've had these financial restrictions or questions lingering over them, and the more you flirt with the trapdoor of relegation, eventually it'll pull you down. Just as Southampton, that you know, in recent times they've been ever so close to to going down, and then eventually, as we've seen last season, they've gone. Um, I just I'm not sure if if it's Everton's year this year to go because I, I don't feel wholeheartedly confident in in the teams coming up, having that much ability and now to, to last at the Premier League level. I think, you know, Luton, with all due respect, a punching way above the waist. I don't think Sheffield United are going to do a hell of a lot. Um, even though they've been up previously, I think they've still got quite a few players, ling and Ralph squad who are probably aged and not improved. And Burnley, with we remain to be seen. You know, there's the whole Vincent Company hype train, but managing the championship or having players perform well in the championship and then going to the Premier League is a whole different ball game. You've seen numerous players who've, who've rattled in 20, 25 goals in the championship and come to the Premier League and struggle to get past half a dozen. So I'm not so sure on how their season will pan out, but hand on heart, I think Everton might just escape the drop on the virtue of there'll be three teams worse than them this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. Three teams who who, because that's that's been that's been one of their problems is that this team's coming up who look capable of staying up and you know doing enough, you know, having enough of a long term plan to to sort of consolidate the the place in the league and then you know over a longer term work on staying in the league um, and and progressing up the league. I was just actually looking on the Everton website and they've got a whole page called transfers and clearly whether it's just because they just want to be sort of inclusive or whether it's just to make it look more padded out but it actually includes transfers for the women's team as well as the men's team and probably kids as well and looking at the ins, um and trying to find one that i'm assuming isn't isn't female is i mean even the all of the ins all seem to be um free transfers loans um and none of them are that sort of there's, there's not much. There's loads happen on the sort of first of July. So obviously end of season. Um, but there are also sort of, there's no sort of big names and it's all, um, you know, it's like, there must, must be sort of younger players, like players coming back on loan as well. That's what some of it is, like young lads, like Lewis Warrington and, and stuff like that. Um, but then a lot of it is, yeah, they're not, there's no kind of, there's no kind of transfer fees going out. They're just, um, Ashley Young was, was a free, wasn't he? Didn't have a club it wasn't registered with the club before um, lots of outs they've got I'm looking again some of the female names, so it's not one of the one of the men's team players um, Tom Davies contract expired Jerry Mina contract expired and, Andros Townsend contract expired loads of these players out and that was all sort of done on the first like since the first there's just there's nothing happening there's just nothing happening and it must be frustrating for um for them and for the manager and for the whole, everyone at the club just to see this happening and when you're saying they, they should survive, it's going to be, it's going to be through no fault of their own, isn't it? It just sounds like, just sounds like a badly managed club that's just getting more and more badly managed and as you say, Bill's Bill sticking around, it's going to be, I reckon we're going to have quite a lot of laughs this this season.
3: I, I would, I would fancy as was a silly, a lot of, a lot of laughs, um,
2: yeah.
3: you know, reference here. Um, but yeah, I'd, I just don't know what's going on with them because it would it would seem that, you know, getting Sean Dyche in, or was it January or something like that last season, or December, or whatever, whenever they decided that Frank weren't actually a manager anymore, but you would imagine Sean Dyche coming in would have been told, okay, you've got barely any funds in January. However, you'll have X amount of money if you keep us up in the summer. Um, because obviously everyone knows what the, the the value of staying in the Premier League and just being there year on year is worth a significant amount of, I don't even know it, it's labelled the £100 million game isn't it the playoffs if yeah. you get promoted so you know £100 million plus, um and the rest that goes with it um, you know it would it would sort of be you know a logical thing to say right well if you're coming in Mr Deich then you know, we've got 25, 30 million in the summer to play yeah. with if we stay up. And then whatever sales you can raise, so if Demardi Gay goes for 8 million, you know, you, you put that in the coffers. If you, you know, they've got assets there they could sell. Um, You know, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin could raise a fee if they wanted to, Jordan Pickford, well, the wise move would be to sell Jordan Pickford, in my opinion. But that's obviously you know, our views on Jordan Pickford are probably different from Evertonians, they would say he was their best player last season. But Jordan Pickford Van Dijk wouldn't...
2: having that armband on all season, isn't he?
3: Yeah, <laughs> he would he would raise a significant fee because obviously as we said before the English sort of favors is yeah. if if Man United were, you know, still looking for a keeper, would they have panicked and maybe thrown fifty, sixty million at Everton and took him? You know, would that then have been allowed to to be reinvested into into the club, who knows? Um, but it, it is a concern. I would be concerned if I was Nevertonian in, in, in terms of the, the lack of income. I know we are as Liverpool fans thinking, well, we're, we're short in the number six position. We need potentially a centre half, maybe some cover for Trent. But on the whole, you know, our squad looks decent at, at this current time. You would say, or oh, every squad could always be, yep, you know, yep. improved on. Or I wouldn't be concerned wholeheartedly compared to what Everton are going in into the start of the season where we think, okay, well, we, we might botch together this sixth position, but we've probably got enough there that we could maybe blag it even till January and, and get our way through. Um, whereas for them, you wonder, they've not brought anyone in to score goals that are still relying on Calvert on and who, when fit, can score goals, but is very rarely ever fit for a prolonged period of time. So where, where do their goals come from? Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a strange concern for them, and it's it's going to be a long season. But yet, yeah, as you say, it probably then presents itself with a lot of laughs. So we'll see how it goes. Um, first game of the season, you know, Marco Silva, Fulham coming to Goodison Park for the <laughs> for the final time, you know the. The way they hounded him out the club. You know, I think he's he's had a few decent results against him since his, uh, his departure. It wouldn't be a surprise if they went there on the opening day of the season and also got another good result. So, you know, we're only two weeks away from having more fun.
2: Oh, two weeks. I can't wait. Really looking forward to it. And not just, I mean, looking forward to the sideshow from across the park. That's always good fun, always good material. But no, looking forward to us. I hope the transfer committee, whatever they want to call themselves, get the fingers out and get some plays in. Never mind before the window closes, before the season starts, get these plays bedded in. Hope we can have a season where we've not got to risk too many young plays for too long, but maybe where we bring some through, that we've not got to ride our luck with injuries, that we do everything we can because unlike that lot from across the park, who'll be setting off the pyro if they make another year of surviving I want to see us setting off the pyro because we've just won more silverware. we've got a new captain I want to see him lift a trophy I want to see Virgil van Dijk's trophy lift there is so much to look forward to this season and you know these are the times when you're glad you were born a red and you weren't born supporting that lot from across the park Uh, rambling a little bit but I have just become a granddad for the first time so I've got a job to do haven't I I mean as far as I'm concerned my granddaughter was born a red but I've not got to leave anything to chance gotta get out there haven't i and get some bibs and baby grows but um make sure she uh she knows from the off what side of the park to be from because i would hate my granddaughter to have a miserable summer like that lot i've just had anyway that is it for now thanks to jay as always thanks to you as always for listening and we will be back soon and hopefully some more plays to talk about and new season to look forward to but for now as always thank you and we'll see you soon
1: we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community